0: You know, I've heard it said uh, that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who know all the answers, and there are those who know all the questions. And unless your name's Laura Kunzberg, you fit into one of those groups. (laughs) But I want to take that a little bit further. There are those who think they know all the answers, and there are those who think they know all the questions. And furthermore, there are those who know nothing but pretend to know everything, and there are those who know everything but uh, say they know nothing. And maybe I should invite you to look around the church this morning and see who fits into which group, but we won't do that this morning. But when it comes to Scripture, The picture changes a little. Because we can read about people and their situations and we can closely examine them and we can work out whether they knew the questions and the answers or whether they just thought they did and made a song and dance about it. And one of those groups, a case in point if you will, is the Pharisee. Now, these guys thought they knew it all. They were the bee's knees. They were considered to be devoutly religious. They were the insiders, if you like, of the recognised church. Not only did they consider that they knew all the answers and all the questions, they'd bought the T-shirt, seen the video and owned the film rights. You know those kind of people. In short, these Pharisees thought that they had everything sewn up. Now, in my experience, people like that are a real pain in the neck, aren't they? In fact, when it comes to the crunch, they're about as useful as a chocolate teapot. In fact, not only are they pains in the neck... There are pains in other parts of the anatomy that I can't mention in church on a Sunday morning. And it's these devout, self-thinking, self-seeking Pharisees who level criticism at Jesus. Look, see how he does this. Look at how he's doing that. Who do you, who does he think he is? Just look at that. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in Jesus' place... I'd want to sort them out, wouldn't you? Not half. You'd want to take them to task at least. But no, I can't help but marvel at how Jesus uses patience, tolerance and diplomacy skills as he answers these Pharisees using his wonderful ability as a storyteller. It said that the great author, Charles Dickens, was once asked, what was the best short story he'd ever heard? And without hesitation, he replied, the story of the prodigal son in Luke's Gospel. And I think I agree with him, don't you? This wonderful story. Thank you. This wonderful story of the prodigal son and the alphabetical stories in the previous verses of Scripture of the lost sheep and the lost coin, all told by Jesus to counter the criticism of the Pharisees who accused him of mixing with the wrong kind of people. That's you, by the way, and me, whatever next. Now, in the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep, you can't blame them. You can't blame the the sheep and the coin. They didn't get lost on purpose. So the joy or the euphoria of the shepherd and the woman when they're returned, that's understandable. But in the story of the runaway prodigal, well, things are a little bit different. This youngster makes his own choice. This youngster rebels selfishly against his father and goes away. And yet despite that, through the undying love of the father, the boy is accepted without reservation back into the family fold. Now to the self-righteous Pharisee, that would have been above and beyond the realm. This father had already given the boy, his son, his inheritance and that was something that was absolutely unheard of in Middle Eastern society and despite his son squandering these riches, the father runs and greets him and embraces him. In fact, that welcome is so great and so total that the son doesn't even have a chance to give his rehearsed coming home speech. What an example. What an amazing example of unrestrained, total committed love. I have a son. um, He's about seven foot tall and eight foot wide. He's a big fella. And uh, he went away. (laughs) He went as far as you can go, and he lives in Australia. But last Christmas, he came back to the UK with his family. And at Gatwick Airport, I met him off the plane. It was just like the prodigal son coming home. We ran to each other, and we embraced, and people thought, oh, look at that. It was amazing. We cuddled up to each other and I loved every minute of it. And three weeks later, I waved him goodbye. (laughs) This prodigal son returns to the father and they embrace. Can you imagine that scene? That joy, that jubilation, an example of unrestrained love, total committed love on part of the Father. And that was surely an example to the Pharisees and is surely an example to us, the family of God here in Linfield. For this demonstration of unconditional love is surely comparable to the the love of our compassionate, merciful God who embraces us And who accepts us, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter what we've squandered, God loves us. Now for the prodigal son, it took an awareness of his need, both physical, emotional and spiritual, to bring him to his senses. And you know, in a similar way, our God allows us to make mistakes. Our God... ...allows us to make our own minds up. Oh, he grants us riches on life's journey. He grants us those things that perhaps we might long for. And even though we may squander them, just like the prodigal son... ...he never, ever fails to love us. He watches over us, as so often we turn our backs on him. And be clear, my dear friends that actions like that cause God great, great pain. But he never, ever turns his back on us. There is no question of God treating us as we deserve. Well, if we did, we would perish, would we not? Instead... Through Jesus Christ, through the wonder of the cross, through the glory of resurrection, he welcomes us with open arms when we humbly recognise our need for him. Now, you say to me, hold on a minute, that's all well and good, but I have never turned away from God in my life, so why do I need to return to him? Well, let's just look at the story of the uh, older son for a moment. This older sibling had never faced a crisis of desperate need in his life. He was blinded to the real character <coughs> excuse me of his loving father. He didn't realise what was freely available to him. And the reality is that if, like the older son we've sought to to do the will of God the Father throughout our lives, the fact is we will still have failed him. Yet he still welcomes us, he still loves us with an unlimited, undying love. Thanks be to God. You know, the story of the prodigal son is great because it finishes with a party. We like that, don't we? I wonder who was on the catering committee. It's one of those wonderful celebrations. It's a celebration for the repentant youngsters' return. And everyone's invited to enjoy the feast. Everybody has a wonderful time. You can imagine it, can't you? Everything's wonderful, everybody's happy, (coughs) apart from the fatted calf, of course. It's a wonderful occasion. But we need to note that this isn't just an afterthought or a half-hearted gesture on the part of the father. My son was dead. Now he's alive. My son was lost. He's found, he explains. He calls for the very best robe. He calls for a beautiful ring to adorn his son's fingers. He calls for the fatted calf to be prepared. You know, he doesn't suggest delving in the bottom of the wardrobe for an old jumper or looking out a bit of last week's scrag end from the freezer. Nothing like that. Only the best will do. Only the best will do for this wonderful celebration of love. For in the words of the American author and pastor, mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. That's the words of Max Lucado, an American author and pastor. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. And it's just the same for us. When we, as repentant sinners, come to the foot of the cross and seek forgiveness for the errors of our ways, It brings joy and thanksgiving and celebration to the very heart of God. And he showers us with the richness of his blessing. Unfortunately, the story of the prodigal son is one of those um, stories that stops a little bit short. I'd like to know what happens next, wouldn't you? I'd like to be there the following morning when they all get up. I'd like to know how things are going, how the dynamics are going in that family. Perhaps the uh, Pharisees, with their pious attitude, they might have identified with the older brother. Perhaps Jesus wanted to leave them all with something to think about, something to mull over. But what we can do, here and now, is recognize ourselves in this parable. Perhaps you're a Pharisee. You know all the answers and all the questions. Yeah, right. Perhaps you're like the prodigal son. And you recognise your need. You recognise that you need to come back to God. Amen to that. Perhaps you're like the older sibling. Bruised. Not fully understanding. Well, take comfort, dear friends, because we've all been there. We've all had those experiences. And God understands that. But whichever group you fall into, the all-embracing love of God not only welcomes you, it is positively crying out to you. God longs to embrace you. God longs to hold you in his arms as he did the prodigal son. Oh, if only, if only, Can imagine God looking down on the world today? If only people would come to me. If only. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jilly was very brave and she took me to the pictures. We had a lovely evening. Well, I say lovely evening. That would be really um, a step too far. Um, We went to see the Downton Abbey film. Anybody seen it? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, that was three hours of my life. I'll never get back again, I've got to tell you. You know, I mean, if, if you have an urge to go and see the Downton Abbey film, fight that urge, brothers and sisters. You know? But the premise of the film is that the king is coming to stay. And you imagine all the intrigue and the plotting, and the planning that goes into his visit. My friends, the King of Kings wants to embrace you. The King of Kings wants to bless you, wants to anoint you with love and grace. And all the preparations needed is that you humbly come to the foot of the cross, And seek his love. Seek his love in repentance for the errors of your ways. And as individuals, and indeed as a fellowship, when things confuse or hurt us, when we're bewildered, when others do things that might destroy our faith and trust in human relationships, when the world fails us, as it surely does, when we fail each other, as we surely do, well then, and perhaps especially then, the love of God, our Father, is total and unreserved. It recognises and understands us. The love of God knows all the questions and all the answers. And God longs to embrace us with that love prodigal son, ran to his father's loving embrace and I pray that we will run to the welcoming arms of our father God. I pray that as individuals and as a fellowship we will own the wonder of his mercy and his grace and I pray that we will experience the warmth and the peace of his never ending love for when we do When we do, we will be truly blessed as a fellowship. And we will surely cry aloud, Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing together. We're going to sing a hymn, Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with his spirit and his love.